Welcome to The Storytellers, the radio show and podcast that features those who choose to leave their mark on the world through the art of story. I'm your host, Grace Salmon. I look forward to our time together today. Now, let's meet our storyteller. Welcome to episode 82 of The Storytellers with Brooke Warner and She Writes Press. Brooke is the publisher of She Writes Press and Spark Press. She is the president of Warner Coaching. She's written, I think, six books. She's a TEDx speaker. She is a champion of all things reading and writing. She has a regular podcast, and she additionally writes for the Publishers Weekly. Brooke, thank you for coming to The Storytellers Microphone. Thank you, Grace. Happy to be here. I'm so excited today because when I first started prepping for our episode, the reason I wanted to talk to you was all about publishing. I'm so fascinated by people who live their life in the publishing world. But what I quickly discovered in doing my research is you are really a champion, as I said, for all things reading and writing. Why is that true for you? Gosh, you know, I think when I originally started in book publishing, like I got into this industry in 2000, and I really saw myself as an industry person and someone who just wanted to climb the ladder in the industry. And over time, and especially because of the experiences that I had at Seal Press, where I was for nine years, that started to change. And when I saw this whole other world of indie authors and what was happening in the broader world of book publishing, I saw that I had a role in advocacy that there was something about my interest in the non-traditional space that opened up. And especially when I started She Writes Press and I saw that writers and authors needed champions. And so it's a that just became my trajectory. I mean, of course, there's a lot of ins and outs to that, but the, the world of book publishing can be pretty siloed. And I think what you invariably have is the traditional publishing and and the authors who get traditionally published thinking that they're better. (laughs) And so I I don't subscribe to that. I know many, many authors who are publishing in all sorts of different ways. And and I have always just ever since leaving Seal Press wanted to make it my mission to level the playing field for all authors. And you've done that in many, many ways. And part of that is, and it struck me in my research for today is you also made yourself very vulnerable. I've listened to you talk about memoir and your the book that you're writing right now. So if you would tell me why memoir is important to you, because you've also founded the National Association of Memoir Writers. Well, actually, that's Linda Joy Myers's association, and she and I partner. And so I sit on the board of the National Association of Memoir Writers, but it's her association, and we teach together, and we've been teaching memoir together for over 10 years. Why memoir is really about my time at SEAL, that I worked at SEAL for nine, almost 10 years, and I worked not exclusively on memoirs, but because it was a women's press Many of even the nonfiction self-help books were memoir-driven. They were story-driven. And I became an expert in memoir over those years working at SEAL and just loved this genre. And so when I leapt uh, to start She Writes, I decided that I also really wanted to have a silo of my business be about memoir. And I started teaching classes and one thing has led to the next. And now there's many memoir programs that Linda Joy and I do together. 
So you became an expert, but you're also writing a memoir. So is it an important <laughs> way for you to communicate? You know, it's interesting because here I am, you know, 23 years into this and I've been, I, as you mentioned, I have other books, but I've always written nonfiction and always books about writing and publishing and something clicked for me last year that I decided I was ready. I, because I teach memoir, people ask me all the time if I've written a memoir and I just hadn't been ready. I mean, I'm 46 years old. Mm -hmm. I think prior to now it felt many things, not ready. I'm raising a young child too close to my story. What would I write about? And so finally that shifted and I'm, I'm working on something. And so the, the goal is to be publishing this work probably in 2025. 2025. That's one of the things I think that I'm always curious about. Why is there such a long path to getting a book out? Well, of course, part of it is writing it. I mean, I'm still writing <laughs> yes. it. I've only written 25,000 words. And so I need to give myself enough time to write it and shape it and edit it. And I am realistic about how much time that will actually take. On the book publishing side, I will publish it with She Writes. And so we have traditional timelines. We have traditional distribution. And so therefore, a book that's going to publish in 2025 really needs to be done in 2024, of course. And then you have all the all the many, many pieces of book publishing that need to happen with the cover and all of the data and all of the production and the printing. So yes, book timelines on traditional presses or any publisher who has a you know traditional distribution, it takes a long time, probably much more than is necessary from a self-publishing standpoint. But part of the reason is for all the mechanisms that that book needs to be available to the marketplace, you know, six to eight months in advance of publication. I've heard you say that the journey matters. Um, would you talk a little <laughs> bit about the writing journey and why it does matter? Absolutely. I mean, especially for memoirists, because it's painful. It's going to evoke painful memories, hard things that you've been through. Even a person who's writing a very light memoir, you know, books that are maybe about like travel or cooking or, you know, these books that are like the happiness project, you know, all those kinds of books that profess to be happy or light have elements of drama and hard things that you've been through. And the reader doesn't want just a purely happy, joyous story. They want complexity and truth. And most of the memoirists I'm working with are not writing happy-go-lucky stories. They're writing books of survival and things that they have gone through and resilience, really tough things that many people have lived through. So that journey is it asks a lot of you, right? It asks you to get back in all the way. And there's a way in which you're reliving those lived events. Um, and I, I do think the journey can be incredibly cathartic, but it can also be very triggering. And so having support in the form of a class or a coach or an editor, but also therapy probably when you're writing a memoir is important. So all of all of the above. <laughs> it just, the, the journey matters. You have to take care of yourself along the way. I, those are really good words for me to resonate with and to think more about. You do so many different things um, in your author publisher life. Do you have a happy place? Writing, publishing? That's a great question. <laughs> 
Yeah, good question. I, I think it is the memoir stuff. I, I mean, the publishing, a lot of it is incredibly rewarding. And a lot of it I'm just good at. And a lot of it is part of my purpose. But I think the part that I most enjoy is the memoir teaching. I, I get a lot out of it. I love creating new classes. I, I really enjoy content creation. And that's another reason I have a podcast. And one of the reasons I love doing the podcast is just content creation, thinking about writing and thinking about publishing. So I'm lucky that although I do a lot of things, they're all part of a mosaic that I think pieces together quite well. Uh, and I, as I said, I love listening to your podcast and you partner with the founder. I think he's the founder of NoNoRimo. Can you talk a little bit about that? <laughs> Yeah, uh, he's the executive director. Yes, executive director and NaNoWriMo stands for National Novel Writing Month. Uh, and we, yeah, we're, gosh, four and a half years into doing this podcast. So it's been a lot of fun to partner with Grant. He and I have a good time together. We have a really similar sensibility when it comes to thinking about writing and publishing. Uh, so it's been a great partnership and we love the work that we get to do like this of interviewing people and just picking people's brains about the inspiration around their own writing. It, it's a very, very thoughtful podcast. So I, I, <laughs> thank, I, I, you. I thank you for that. It makes me think um, when I listen to it as well. One of the things that I saw that you're working on, five things I've learned about getting your book published. Can you talk about that for me? Yeah, well, that's going to be a, a very specific class that's coming up. I, I'm not sure are we like, when we're airing this, uh, but the th that is coming this Sunday, whenever that is in relation to where we are. So people uh -huh. will either be able to catch it or they've missed it. They've just uh, but missed I, it. <laughs> I do partner with a lot of different organizations to... Um, Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a class that I teach, but I teach a lot of classes, you know, so and people can also look up online, you know, my name and memoir. And so I, a lot of those things get posted, and then they're free online. So you just mentioned the idea of collaboration. Uh, one of the things I have found so joyous in my work, you know, I've written four books now, I've got another one coming out. Um, well, three more coming out shortly. But mm -hmm. the world of education, which is where my first three books came out, was very different than the world you and I now live in, in terms of both memoir, fiction, and books on craft. I am stunned at how I would say 80% at least of what I do now is about creative collaborations of some kind or another. Mm -hmm. uh, why do you, how much of that do you do? Why is it important? How does it make your own work better? I think I just gravitate toward it. I, I work better in partnership. Some people work better isolated. I don't. I need accountability partners. That's probably the number one thing, especially when you have a lot of balls in the air. I think having the people that you're working with then helps you to say like, yes, I'm following through on that because someone else is on the other side waiting. That's a big part of it. Uh, and also I just enjoy it. I don't particularly like just listening to myself talk. I like to be in conversation with someone else. And that's why I love doing the podcast with Grant uh, and why I love teaching with Linda Joy. You know, every once in a while, if she's sick or can't show up to class and I teach by myself, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is why I co-teach. I like bouncing ideas off of each other. And I think it makes me smarter. I mean, it, it, it's challenging. I work with people who challenge my ideas 
Uh, and I love editors for that reason. <laughs> you you put give them your work and then they tell you like, hmm, what were you trying to articulate here? And so just being in conversation about all of it is really important. I think if you're just doing it all on your own or think you should be doing it all on your own, you're you're missing that opportunity to engage. And I just think it lifts us up in different ways. It gives us the energy and motivation to keep going as well for something I found particularly 100%. helpful. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it is that accountability partner, but it's also like, hey, let me think about that. And you really are such a great collaborator. You and I are collaborating on um, my other radio show, Launchpad. You've been very good about um, sharing that with your She Writes Press authors. So we're so happy to have so many of them as guests on Launchpad, that radio show, but also on Launchpad, uh, those book that we're, um, you're going to write, you've already written a fabulous chapter <laughs> in called Launchpad, The Countdown to Publishing Your Book. So um, I loved that chapter and that book comes out in April. I'd like you to share with us about what trends do you see in publishing now that the world has just exploded for possibilities? Gosh, and there's a lot going on in book publishing. It's it's an interesting space to keep your eye on. And I think the more that writers and authors can be engaged in what's happening in the world of book publishing, the better off they're going to be when they try to get out there and figure out what's going on. I mean, from a sort of high level, I would say audiobooks, right? Are, it's an ongoing trend. It's almost essential at this point. I would say that authors consider getting their audiobooks published when they're thinking about their own books, just because it's this... Mm -hmm explosive marketplace that's also really exciting. Uh, other trends, you know, it's 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 funny because we do trends, you know, um, at the end of every single podcast for Right Minded. And so I, I think about them a lot, but sometimes sometimes they feel kind of small. I mean, one of the trends, of course, is like the consolidation of big publishing and that a lot of the traditional things that we've seen that have moved books are closing down, right? Like the USA Today bestseller list and book forum and things like that. And it can be agitating to people to see these things going away. But we always make the point that there's other places that are expanding and there's new areas of influencing and people are thinking about books in a really different way than they used to. And, and it's just so part of our culture. And, and I think what you see going on in the world, you know, especially among younger people is like books as status symbols, books as something that they want to be talking about in a different way. And so looking at the ways in which the book is infiltrating, you know, all areas of our popular culture, I think is a is a important thing to stay on top of. And I was reading recently about how you have to be careful about trends, too, because with the long life of getting a book finished to print, those trends could be very different by the time a book actually comes to print. Is, does that sound? Um, it can be. I mean, I think you have to think about the long... <laughs> Yeah, it, it depends on what you're writing about, of course, right? I mean, if you have a trend that is going to die off pretty soon, I mean, I was thinking about the popular things like my son loved those little widget spinners, right, that mm -hmm. all the kids had. And if you were to write a book about that, maybe it needs to be very timely. But I think largely the broader trends that you see in the world, you know, around like parenting or food or fashion, those things don't tend to be so short lived that you can't push out a book, you know, a year or three later. Are there secrets? Well, if you share them, they wouldn't be secrets. But are there <laughs> tips for 
um, looking at trends and then making it, okay, I should be writing about this or that help I your don't book be more marketable? I don't personally think about it in that vein because yes, there are people who think about concept books, people who sell their ideas. Uh, those are career writers who are just thinking about like, Ooh, what's something that I could sell to a publisher. And those people are out there of course, but the vast majority of people who are writers and are thinking about the projects that they want to do, they're pulling those stories from their own hearts and experiences. So it's not so much about, identifying the trend as it is, what are you a lived expert in? What do you have to say? And then how do you make that more universal? How do you keep thinking about ways that it's for a broader audience and not keeping it too small? So there are, you know, we've talked a little bit about this, traditional publishers, hybrid publishers, indie publishers. How can a how can an author find their way or the right way, if you will? Yeah, I mean, I think it takes a lot of research. It requires probably doing some informational interviews, talking to other authors about what their publishing journeys have been, attending classes. I mean, there's a lot of people out there, myself included, doing classes about publishing. There's writing workshops and writers conferences. I think if someone has not even dipped a toe into the publishing waters at all, rather than being gung-ho to find a publisher, it would be a really good idea to just spend some time looking at the entire landscape because there's so many different publishers out there and so many different paths to publishing these days. And you could probably spend a whole year just getting yourself acclimated to what's going on in this industry. And that would serve you really well. Very, very wise advice. I think that many of us, you know, wrote the book, got it out the door and didn't do that piece and certainly didn't do the piece that's so needed today for marketing. Right. You know, and that that's the bane of so many authors existence that, you know, oh, my gosh, now it's written, now it's published, now I have to market it. Oh, my goodness me. <laughs> um, I loved listening to your TED Talk on greenlighting yourself. Let's close up the interview with you talking about that. Not necessarily the talk, but this concept that you, you know, I started the interview here. It's about empowering. So please talk about greenlighting yourself. Yeah, the idea is because I came out of traditional publishing and I just saw how many books I had to reject that had nothing to do with the quality of the book and everything to do with the author not having a big enough platform, the author not being a big enough influencer, the lots of ageism, lots of you know, the book that talk was back in 2017. And I was talking about also racism, which, you know, now, of course, we've seen a lot more discussion of in the industry. But basically, this idea that people were being held back from getting their books published for all the wrong reasons. And I had experienced that firsthand. And so the idea behind greenlighting yourself is not to allow someone else to legitimize your publishing journey. That if you know that you have a book that needs to be out in the world, that there are so many other ways to get published and not to turn over all your power to the traditional houses and not to take a rejection as a rejection of yourself, right? That there maybe your book needs more work, but if you know that your book is ready, I am just such a powerful believer in the 
in the indie publishing process. And many people are, of course, but it's an invitation just to think more broadly about where are you needing to find that legitimacy and is it coming from within and the message that you know that you have to share in that book. And so that's really what that was about. And, and stemming from the work that I had done, of course, to start She Writes Press to create a, a different outlet for writers to get published. Perfect way to close our interview. I can't believe we're done already. As I said, I started out wanting to talk to Brooke Warner, the publisher, but you are champion greenlighter. Brooke, thank you for being with me today. <laughs> thank you, Grace. It's wonderful to be here. This has been a copyrighted episode of Grace Salmon and Authors on the Air, Global Radio Network. Thanks for being with us. That concludes this episode of The Storytellers. I'm so glad you could be part of the story today. I hope you share the stories, tell your own, and come back for another episode. Because when our stories are told, everything changes. I'm Grace Salmon.